Welcome, Temple family and friends. We're so glad to have you joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. This podcast aims to engage our faith community through thoughtful biblical discussions centered on God's Word. Our goal is to explore Scripture together to discover the wisdom it has for our lives. In this podcast, we'll be diving deep into God's truths and discussing how they impact our daily living. We're eager to unpack the riches of the Bible with you all, our extended church family. And now, here's Temple Talk. Welcome, Temple family and friends. We are thrilled to have you back with us. Uh, As always, I am Tuck and joined with Pastor Bennett. Bennett, how are you doing? I am doing well. I am full and uh, highly favored. Uh, We just had Thanksgiving and a deep, I did a, I did a Eastern North Carolina tradition this year, Tuck, I deep fried my turkey. And that's something that I've never done before. And it's, uh, I didn't burn anything down. Good. I didn't burn myself and the turkey uh, was tasty. So it was something that I enjoyed and I didn't have to wait 20 hours smoking it. That's the difference between smoking and deep frying. While it is unhealthy uh, to deep fry, it cuts out about 19 hours of manual labor. So I enjoyed that. Um, but we're doing good. We had, we had a, a big weekend here and every year during Thanksgiving, we do a toy run where we work with different motorcycle clubs and groups from across the state. And this year, some came from Tennessee, um, but it was mainly through the vein of what used to be the Harley-Davidson group uh, out here in New Bern. And so every year, there'd be a motorcycle ride uh, from New Bern to Kinston, where the Kennedy Children's Home is. And it's a a Baptist children's home here in the state of North Carolina. And it's a a ministry that we support as a church. Uh, We not only support it through our state convention, but also in a personal relationship with them. And so that's something that we did, and we had around 300-and-something people here, uh, just south of 300 motorcycles, some of the most beautiful, loud motorcycles you would ever see. And, uh, and they left the church, and they drove up to the Kennedy home where they got to enjoy the afternoon with the kids and eat together, and, uh, and it was a great, great time. We raised money for the Kennedy home throughout this, and we got to gift them with around $25,000 um, for their ministry and what they do is they service um, a lot of kids that are displaced through DSS here in, uh, in the surrounding counties. So there's a huge need there, um, just to give context to the need here in Craven County where we reside. Uh, right now, there are 141 kids in the system that are, that are being displaced currently. Uh, and the deep, the deep prayer and desire of the Kennedy Home is to... Um, really give an opportunity for these kids to be cared for for the season so they may be integrated back into their home uh, that's safe um, and that's a healthy environment for them to be raised by their mom or dad or both. And so that's the prayer that they have and that's the ministry that they do. And uh, sad to say, uh, every single week, the Kennedy Home has to turn down uh, phone calls from uh, different judges and different courts um, asking if they can take these kids. They get about 12 calls a week. And they're having to turn calls down every single day. And so uh, there's a huge need. uh, And there's also a huge opportunity for people that want to be involved. So on Sunday, we actually had um, the Kennedy Home come down and and share a little bit about that to the church after worship. And and we had a a man that runs a motorcycle ministry out of Wake Forest come down and share the gospel. As we, uh, we really focused everything in on why we do what we do. And it's uh, because of what he's done, what Jesus Christ has done mm-hmm. in our lives. And so uh, that impacts what we do day to day. And so it was a fantastic Sunday of celebration. It was a fantastic Sunday of awareness of the need, uh, but also an opportunity for people to respond uh, throughout the weekend and not only serving the putting on the event, but also riding and donating money and time to the Kennedy Home there in Kinston. So it was a great weekend. It was great. We got to see some motorcycles on stage. Um, yeah. We got to hear um, from from him uh, speaking to us, and I, I thought it was a wonderful message. Um, so, But for today, we wanted to go kind of a different direction. We wanted to do uh, another testimony episode. Um, so we have with us in our studio uh, Karen and Tim. Welcome both so much. Hello. Hi. And how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, doing well. <laughs> Nailing it. So the lackeys, you guys are an incredible couple. And it's been so much on my end through a period of time getting not only more and more exposed to your personalities as individuals, um, but also uh, you as a couple, as a family, getting more and more involved in our church. 
So um, before we jump into some of the backstory about who you are and where you come from in terms of what the Lord has done in your life, I would love to just get a taste of maybe a flyover about how in the world you came um, from uh, a couple from Cali to uh, New Bern, North Carolina, and uh, even being introduced to Temple Church. Share a little bit of that with us. Well, uh, you know, I was just thinking about that. It's been a really fast three years, it seems like, because we came out to North Carolina in 2020, in August, late August of 2020. We arrived the first week of September. Yeah. That's what was weird. It's really just been three years that we've been out here, and we have just, I feel like I'm, I've been here forever, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm very well entrenched here at the church and yeah. hopefully I think is a good way. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, I, our, our uh, journey from California uh, started in, in um, you know, Karen and I were both raised, born in California. We spent our, most our entire lives out there. And then uh, we knew we weren't going to be able to retire and stay out there. So we had looked around different places we wanted to go. And a, a friend of ours had moved out here previously, and we came out to visit her. And uh, Karen made the made the uh, proclamation that uh, this is where I want to go. And, of course, once uh, once Karen speaks, that, that's what, <laughs> what Tim does. So uh, <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. So... Uh, <laughs> We uh we then planned you know it was it was uh we thought we were going to be about another year later, but the COVID hit and kind of changed everybody's lives, changed our lives, changed our world, and it, it just accelerated that whole move for us. So we ended up coming out here about a year earlier than we expected, but uh, you know I think it was a good thing. Yeah, I feel like you know the whole trip, everything was very. Um, inspired by God. You know, it, when we, when we left California, um, with, I felt like the, I felt like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, <laughs> we looked like the Beverly you Hillbillies. Know, we had a truck and trailer and all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, we're driving across country, you know, and, um, it took us like 12 days to get out here. We didn't just come straight out. We did like this weird zigzag pattern and, and visited a lot of people, but, you know, when we when we came out here, uh, our friend that had already moved out here, she lived on like five acres, and she said, "Just put your camper in the back and stay, you know, for as long as you need to." Because you know, we were think you know trying to get jobs and place to live and different things. Because that was uh, kind of the the faith jump for us is that we came out here with really you know no no plan, wow. no no place to live, no job to come to. You know, just knowing that we were gonna we were gonna live on the property that Meredith had, and and that you know it was gonna work out. Hmm. You know, we just we just believed it, and uh, so yeah, we've been here for about three years now, and uh, you know, very I'm very happy. I think you know I miss my family and and uh, our friends back in California, but the the people that we've the relationships that we've developed out here are just as valuable to me now as any of those that I had before. The whole time we were coming here, when we first got here, things would go wrong in our definition. And Tim would look at me and shake his head, and I'd say, God's got this. Hmm. God's got this. And then God would make it better. You know, it's like our storage unit, for some reason, didn't get closed out. And so they're calling up, and they're going, you know, you owe us this much money, and you haven't paid. And it's like, no, we moved out on that date. You know, and it's like... They started to argue with us, and then we get a phone call going, oh, never mind. Hmm. You know, it's like, ah, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. So, Karen, tell, walk me through real quick. So you guys came, and then there was something in you that said, this is where we're going. Walk me through that feeling and that that desire. What was it that— Made me decide New Bern? Made you decide New Bern, North Carolina. For one thing, it rains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds really weird, but we went. We were at that point in a, about a 10- to 12-year drought. Okay. Mm. And California. Yeah. In California, half our town had burned down. Oh. You know, um, the town about 30 minutes away from us had burned a whole big area all the way through to Malibu. And then, because um, we lived not far from Malibu. And then we come here, it rains here, it's beautiful and green. And um, one story I don't think I've ever told you is that my parents grew up basically in the same town and went to the same church. 
And there was a church split, and my grandfather, my dad's side, locked my grandfather on my mom's side out of the church. Mm. So mom didn't see my dad for years. They barely knew each other anyway. Well, then my father goes to the military. My mom, who was very adventurous, drives across country from California because she wants to see New York, her and her girlfriend, in the 50s. So it was really weird. Anyway, their car broke down in Fayetteville. So she got it fixed, was driving around, and pulled up next to these military guys. And one of the guys goes, hey, California, that lady's got a California license plate. And they met, dated, and got married. Wow. <laughs> in Fayetteville, and then moved back to California. Huh. So it's like my brother and I are laughing because I end up in the state that my parents got married in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, what are the chances? But it was also, there's a lot of history here. And I've never seen this old. We've only seen... The history in California, Arizona, uh, yeah, that whole area on the west, which right. is which is American Indian or Spanish, right? Yep. And here, there's a lot of colonial, and I, it's just fascinating to me. So that's an aspect that I didn't fully appreciate until I got here. You mm-hmm. know, because I came from Oklahoma and Texas, mm-hmm. right? And just about as much history as you got in, in Texas. Remember the Alamo, um, and then in Oklahoma, a lot of it's a, it's a young state. And so we've got a lot of Native, Native American heritage and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like that, which which I loved. But I also love uh, colonial history. Yeah. And so once I got out here, and I think it was one of the first couple months that we were here and we were walking down by the by the old Capitol building by Triumph Palace. Mm-hmm. And one of the houses that's still standing is older than the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there and looked at that. You, you got to be kidding me. This place has some history. Yeah. And so that's an aspect, I, an attribute of Newburn that I, I fell in love with. And then the around. architecture. What do you think of the architecture? Isn't it beautiful? beautiful. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's good. So so as you guys made your way out here, borderline on an Abraham pathway where you have no idea what you're doing, where you're going, um, and what you'll do when you get there, this level of the development and the growth of, the, of your faith in God and dependence on him as, as things kept breaking down or things didn't work out the way you expected or the way you wanted as, as Karen, you kept encouraging, God's got this, God's got this, God's got this. As you guys work through it, I'd love to hear some of your origin story of what uh, coming to saving knowledge was like for each of you. Um, I'd love to hear just an aspect of your testimony uh, in the beginning of being born again that has led you to now. And Tim, you're, you're the facilities director of yep. Temple Church. And so you lead a department, you lead a ministry that cares for and stewards the resources of this church. Yes. Uh, and then Karen, you're one of the very first voices and faces that anyone that comes on property gets to see. And so the the level of impact you two have as a couple on the daily livelihood of people blessed through the ministry of this church to glorify Jesus is significant. So I'd love to take it all the way back. <laughs> not too far, because you're not that old. Take it all the way back to the beginning of being born again and hear a little bit of y'all's story there. Okay, I'll go first. She's looking at me, so. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a you know, I don't want to get too too deep here, but I was the fourth child. I am the fourth child of my family. I'm, I'm the baby, I'm, and uh, my parents um, married when they were young. They you know, I, I grew up in a family that went to church regularly, um, was raised in the church. You know, uh, my parents uh, never divorced. They stayed married. They, you know, they were married for over 60 years when my dad passed away. So uh, they were lifelong mates. So uh, that's kind of what my foundation was, you know, that kind of a family situation. So. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that wasn't strong enough to keep me, or I didn't feel it was strong enough to keep me involved in in the, in the church. So uh, I did I did accept Christ when I was 14 years old at a at a church camp, and um, but I didn't follow through when I came back. You know they didn't. You know there wasn't any baptism involved, and it was just uh, you know it was okay. Way to go, you know. Back, back at church, here we go. You know, life's back in session. You know, camp is over. So I, I did all that and um, ended up kind of going down the broad path of life for quite quite a few years. And, uh, you know, uh, didn't uh, got away from the church. 
and uh, didn't didn't come, didn't go, you know, and and uh, kind of found myself floundering through life in different directions and different things, and and uh, you know, I was uh, delving into you know lots of alcohol and and street drugs and things of that nature, and and you know that that pathway of life that's was I would not recommend to anyone, but. Uh, you know, I, along the way, I did uh, find my way uh, out of that into recovery. And up after about 17, 18 years of, of recovery, I did find my way back to the church. And, and uh, it was a couple years after that that I, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should get baptized. Hmm. You know, I just like I've never been baptized, you know. And I, you know, so I went through the discussion with my pastor at the time and, and uh, kind of told him what was going on. And he's all, yeah, you know, so I, I so we, we, we got baptized. I think her and I got baptized on the same day. Yeah, we did. So, you know, um, that's, that's kind of, you know, a little, little tidbit of, of my salvation story, I guess. But, but uh, yeah. So how much does your experience the way that God used recovery into drawing you into salvation and really the dedication of your life to him as Lord and Savior, how does that experiential knowledge impact you today? I think, I think it impacts me greatly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I live it out on a daily basis. You know, uh, uh, before I came to work here, I was working for the Baptists on Missions, and we were, you know, uh, working in areas of New Bern. Of course, everybody knows that there's an area of their town where it's not a very desirable location to, to be. And, and I, a lot of those places that we worked on were in those areas. So, you know, it's not like you ever get very far from it. It's just right around a corner, you know. But it doesn't mean you have to go there and live there. And, and, but you can be a part of hopefully impacting somebody's life for the better, and and in those in those places, I think is where we can have some some uh, some bigger impact, because anybody can you know uh, just come to church and talk to the people at church and and be involved in your church. But when you get outside and get more into the world, you can you can still carry that church with you and and be that Bible that that maybe nobody's ever going to see, or you know maybe they haven't looked at it in a while. But so I think that's where I uh, try to to live my life in that you know it's not just something that I carry around with me to church on Sunday, it's something that I take with me every day. Mm. You live by the Bible. I try. That's it. That's good. Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Um, I grew up um, going to church with either my grandma or my aunt. Um, we went to, which is the church my mom and dad were raised in, uh, we went to church, um, went to a very legalistic church. And so I was thoroughly convinced I would never make it in heaven. Yeah. Thoroughly convinced. I could not live that good. Um, I do have a rebellious side. I get it from my mom. <laughs> anyway, um, so I ended up not going to church. Well, when I went to church camp, when I was about nine, I got baptized, but then there was never any follow through. Um, so when I got, as I got older, um, I too got involved in alcohol and drugs um, because I was a child of the seventies and unfortunately it was pretty common then. It's even worse now, I think. And when Tim and I were living, Tim was going to college in Fresno and we were going to school there Billy Graham came for a crusade, and his cousin commented to me, you need to go because it's a chance of a lifetime. He may never do this again. And my mom had gone when she was a child. So I went, sure, why not? So we went, and God drugged me down to the front. <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding. <laughs> and um, then a couple days later, these really sweet ladies came to the door and invited me to a Bible study. And so... Um, I went, scared, but I went and drugged my daughter with me. She was only about six, I think, and um, realized what started learning what grace was. And that's what I was missing before is I didn't understand grace. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
we went to church for a while, and then when we Tim graduated, we moved to to Ventura. I literally went church shopping because that's what I was told to do. They prepped me for it. They were really cool about doing that, and um, found this nice little church and um, just felt welcome and started learning more and more. Um, we were I was in recovery. I got into recovery before I met Tim. In fact, that's where I met Tim. Funny story is when Tim and I were both using, we knew each other and we didn't like each other. And then we met each other after we got clean and got married. <laughs> Go figure. No, <laughs> the Lord had another plan. Um, but anyway, so we started going to this other church um, and we started to celebrate recovery there. And um, the people, everyone taught me about grace, started, started teaching me about grace because there's a lot to it when you're being when you don't understand it you've got a lot to learn on it because i kept saying no way Hmm. so um then when we moved here to ventura i'm here to new Bern. i told tim honey we got a church shop Hmm. you know um and we found um we went to two other churches and we knew it wasn't right and we walked to the doors here we were picked up out in the parking lot by our car in a little golf cart Hmm. and felt welcome from that moment until we left I mean, we felt walked in the door. We were welcomed by everyone. I've never been loved on so much. Mm. And um, when we got in the car to drive home, Tim goes, that's home. And I said, yeah, that's our church right there. And we've come ever since because we, I mean, there's people in here who talk to me. I don't even know who they are, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mm. Um, but that's what made a difference to me. That's when I really started seeing grace. And um, we've, just really enjoyed it every sense. So along the way, you know, we always come up with struggles. Even after you've you've fully accepted Christ, you've changed your life for the better. Um, what kind of struggles have you dealt with in the years since um, that you've had to work through? Uh, I think that it goes back to, uh, you know, when I came back to the church, because I've always believed in God. And I I didn't think that I was living a life that could measure up to what God wanted me to do. So that's that's one of the reasons I quit coming to church. But when I came back to church and I you know it was uh, uh, it was just a, an, a, a almost like a relief, you know because I, I knew what I needed to do and and the struggle uh, you know because I thought I was finding everything that I needed in a in a in a program, a secular program that I was going to. You know, I had that God of my understanding, that, you know, but I, I knew that wasn't all that there was to it, you know. So, uh, you know, coming back to church and the, and the struggles that um, that we have, uh, that I have, I guess would be uh, better said, is uh, just acceptance. I think it's got to be like, and, and, uh, um, and submission, uh, if if I'm just willing to submit to what the day is hmm. and not create something that I want the day to be, my day goes a lot better. <laughs> like like leaving your phone at home. <laughs> yeah, it's like leaving my phone at home. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, and, and so I th- I think that's a big part of it for me. Is is there's there are there are days when you know uh. uh when I when I want things to go a certain way, and and I have you know I have a plan, I have an idea, I have a thought, you know, and I try to prepare for that because I I also know that I can't just sit back and think that God's going to take care of it all. I mean, He will, but I have my part to play in it too. So I have to do you know I got to do the footwork. So uh, there's some of that 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 falls back on me, and that's I think where I I. I I get me involved in the problem, yeah. and and that sometimes gets more me than God, and that's probably when I get the most problems in my life. So, Tim, I'm going through a study right now, um, working through this exact topic. Woo-hoo. Okay, so Matthew eleven twenty eight, um, Jesus is teaching, and he says, "Come to me, all who uh, labor." and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And as, as it's broken down, it's this submission, right? 
to being yoked to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what sometimes people think is that just means you just kind of, you don't put any effort in, you just kind of flow and float. But the reality is, is a yoke is meant for work. And so as we are yoked with Jesus, not only are we working, right, but uh, we are yoked and being led by him in the process of doing our day. And that's why it's easy. That's why it's light. And so we all work. It's this, it's the same thought process that you just said. So in the mornings, I've been trying to sit there and say, Lord, I'm yoked to you. I yield to you today. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I want to be sensitive to what you're doing in the in, by the minute. I'm not able to do by the, I just, I got to break it down so small. So I got to every minute yield to you. Yeah. And I learned that through recovery teachings, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I got to surrender. I got this, this mm-hmm. moment, I got to give it to you. Every hour on the hour, I need to stop and hit pause and make sure I take inventory and just sit and submit to you. And it's this same Matthew eleven twenty eight, Tim, this yielding, yep. surrender to him as he is leading the day. Quote that came to mind is that frustration is birthed out of unmet expectations. And like you said, when you wake up and you have an idea for your day, it's so easy to get frustrated when things don't go your way. Or as you're traveling from California to North Carolina and things Mm -hmm. start coming up, it's so easy to say, this is not what I planned. Um, But to be able to give that away and say, maybe there's something else for me. Bennett, you talked about the moment and it kind of goes back to uh, when we used to do a, a, a mission trip down to Mexico from mm-hmm. California. We had a, a sister church that we would go to in a little town called El Zarillo, and it was just outside of Ensenada. It was a very rural uh, night and day living between, you know, where we live at in California and going down there. It was, I mean, the dirt streets and literally, you know, waste running down the street, flush toilets for very rare, uh, just a very uh, poverty-stricken area. But the pastor down there, uh, I remember the first time I met him, his comment, his first comment to me was, isn't this a great moment? Hmm. And, uh, you know, I always think about that. And when I, when I hear somebody say moment, that comes back to me because, you know, I want to get caught up in the, in the next hour or the, the next day or you know, I, I, I forget about what's happening in the moment, you know, and I, if I can, if I could be more in the moment, hmm. I think that's, uh, that's where, I think that's where God wants us to be. Yeah. He wants us to be in the moment, enjoying the moment, letting him guide the moment. And, and, uh, you know, I think our, our, uh, desire, uh, is driven by, you know, Satan who wants to, get us thinking about everything else that's going on, what happened yesterday, what, you know, the person driving in front of us and, you know, all the, all the insanity of, of this world, you know, and we get away from the moment. So, I found that recently with, with young children Ooh. is it's so, it's so easy for me to think I can't wait until whatever it is, you know, until they're old enough to do this, until they can... They can go 30 minutes in a car without screaming or whatever it is. And I look forward to those moments. Um, and my wife and I are always catching ourselves to try and help each other say, let's just enjoy where we are right now because mm-hmm. we're never getting it back. That's right. Yeah, that's good. And Tim, to just to kind of maybe put a bow on that thought process of yours, um, being present in the moment. Um, a lot of the times where that struggle, maybe for most people, is in the anxiety and the word. And we just finished really touching on three sermons over this topic of be joyful, rejoice, yeah. um, be thankful, uh, be anxious for nothing. It's like, wait, what in this world? Is it's going the way it's going? How is this possible? As we kept on fixing ourselves on the sovereignty and the grace of God, right? It's in Christ these things are possible. Um, but Jesus also teaches in, in Matthew six thirty four. therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so this, this idea behind, man, being present right now, right here. Let us not be divided about what is to come. Let us steward well, right? That doesn't mean flippantly not care about things. But, but what is the deep, deep emotion that we're feeling about that? 
And if it's any anxiety, fear, stress that is contradictory to the very nature of the relaxed Jesus Christ, then, then we're likely putting too much emphasis on self. Uh, we're disillusioned with the ability to control outcomes. And we need, just need to submit and surrender to a moment um, that he is leading and guiding. And I think oftentimes we, I, am susceptible to overlooking the moment. It's good. Karen, for you and your storyline, your, 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 your character arc that we see you as, as you've gone through what you've gone through, as you've testified um, to this grace that you've experienced, not only personally, but also within the context of church, um, and really the way that you are involved in temple recovery, um, the way that you serve and love every single person that comes through those doors or calls, um, the way you're so intentional um, with even staff members as we walk by, just checking in, getting pulse checks. How are you doing? How are things going? How are your kids? Um, walk me through some of the ways um, you would just encourage people that have yet to experience a taste of the fullness of grace that you have. Like, walk me through maybe some people that still find themselves um, thinking that they're just not good enough, they're unworthy, they're not acceptable. Walk me through, and what would you say to them? Well, one thing I do um, is I've been there. I grew up being abused by a family member um, in many ways. And um, I... I didn't think I was worthy to even breathe the same air as most people. But I have learned that 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 person's wrong. I don't need to listen to their voice in my head anymore because I am good enough. I am what God wants. I am who God made. Hmm. You know, so all the things that that person was saying was because of the hurts they had that I didn't know about. You know, so through recovery, I've had people guide me. Um, through the process of being able to take those negative things and, and turn it towards helping people. I care about people. I care about those I'm around. I want them to understand how beautiful they are, how wonderful they are, how someone else's opinion doesn't mean anything. Only God's does. Hmm. And he sees us as absolutely amazing you know, if God cares enough to take me from the lifestyle I used to live and give me at 35 years, 36 years old, a wonderful husband, you know, an absolutely gorgeous daughter. I'm sorry, you guys. She's much more beautiful than yours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yet I still have a, a sense of independence. I have because that's how I was raised. I was how, how I became to protect myself. Um, I used to be really sassy. My daughter's the same way. I raised her that way. Tim will agree, man. I, I was pretty bad. But, but, and know that no matter what, God still loves me. You know, if I can live through this, the things I went through, and still be loved by God no matter what, anybody can. And then another thing I, I like to tell people to do is I am so glad those little yellow sticky notes were invented. <laughs> you talking about post-its? Yes, because <laughs> when you when you're having negative thoughts, I Trademark. make I make all my yeah, I make all my girls they write something positive on one and put it up where they read. So every day they read something wonderful like I am beautiful, I am great, I am I am smart, I am capable. God loves me, you know. And through that, one thing that happened, um, we have lost a unbelievably large amount of relatives in a short period of time. Um, since like 2014, friends and family, I think it's up to like 18 now. And most of them in the beginning were six months apart. And all I could do was cry and ask why. But the, the thing about it is I could feel God holding me through the whole thing. You know, when it would get rough, God would hold me through it, you know, and I learned that, that, and I listened through that. This is when I really found my grace with God. Because at the time, I was working in a middle school. And um, what I would do is, is my, my mother passed away on a Sunday night, and I, or, or like about 4 in the morning, actually Monday morning. And my brother called me at 6 
and I, I fell apart. And so first thing I did was say, tell my daughter, I got to go to work. And she's like, why are you going to work? Your mom just died. I said, because I need to be around those kids. And God taught me that. You know, that was grace to me. The one thing that really helped fulfill me was watching these these kids, these middle schoolers, which I know a lot of people think it's crazy, but I love middle schoolers. <laughs> these middle schoolers go on with their life and be silly and be goofy and to know that they, they relied on me for comfort. And that got me through it. So that's why I like to give people comfort because sometimes you don't have anybody, you know, and these that that's what people need, you know. I'm here. I, you know, I'll sit down and talk to you. You can tell me anything you want, and I will not judge you yeah. because I've been there. I've seen it in action. <laughs> I've seen it in action. There's been times when I've, I've been meeting with people, and in a, in a moment, for some reason, it's like, you need to talk to Karen, right? And so I jump out there. I was like, hey, can you come back here and mm-hmm. talk with her real quick? Um, because this, 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 this consistent part of your story that I see – I've experienced and I read in scripture is this the, the the character of God that's being cultivated in you that that originated from the brokenness of the world, the need, the total depravity that you found yourself in, encountering this love and this acceptance and this grace of God. And now you've been ministered to by it, and then therefore you're a conduit of it. Right, and so the very yeah. thing that mm-hmm. brought you up is the very yep. thing that you cannot help but pour out, and you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you seek it out to be able to just share that um, to people. And so that's something that I see in you, and we're very blessed yeah. by here. Well, I fought it for years. I kept telling God, I don't want to be a counselor. I don't want to do that. I don't. And, but yet, people would come up to me in grocery lines and tell me their life stories when they'd never seen me before. <laughs> and finally, I went, "Okay, Lord." Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like he keeps, you know, he keeps helping me, you know, but it, I can't help it. I just, I care. Yeah, for me, it goes back to that submission thing, because when I submit my weaknesses to God and realize that I can't, he can, yeah. mm-hmm. he turns them into strengths, and then I can empathize with people, and I can see those things, you know, I, I don't think that I'm, I used to think I was terminally unique, the things that happened to me didn't happen to anybody else. That's right. But I've come to find out that a lot of the things that are happening to me also happen to almost everybody else on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's that I can I can relate to people in ways that other people can't. You know, because in in recovery we found out that you know we we would talk to people that that went to church and and the church at the time didn't know how to deal with people that were in recovery. They would just you know well, just read your Bible more and pray more and. And you know God will you know guide you and take Which care. These are of you. good things. Right? Yeah, it would, yeah, yeah, absolutely but good things. But, but. It, that alone does not take care of the the enemy and the devils of, of the of the things that that are in you. You have to submit those things. Yeah, you, and you have know? to be taught. You have to be, and and so uh, I think that's the key. The key difference. I mean, I don't. You know, I I do believe that you know reading your Bible and praying is is a good thing. You know, no, not about it. But you know, we we do. Uh, you know, we can we can pray about something in our lives, and God may never, and and it just doesn't go away. Why doesn't it go away? I, do we submit it, or are we just asking? You know, so I think that's key. Is is you got to you got to give it up. You got to yeah. give it up. And there's something there is something beautiful to being in a group, or being in a community yep. that has been where you've been, or um, that can share with you. Uh, as you share an understanding of what it means to go through what you're going through or what you've gone through. So you've got some people that can give you hope that deliverance is available, right? That we could be broken from this, that this yeah. God can heal through this. Like there is light, right? There's hope. But then on the other side, for people coming into the group, for for people to actually also be that next step of encouragement. And so you're not only getting it and you're giving it, and that's why recovery is so unique and beautiful. And there are attributes of recovery that that are and should be 
in the context of general small groups in the life of a church, oh, right? Absolutely. In, mm-hmm. in yeah. community of a church. And yeah. if you look at James 5 and you walk through what it means to 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 confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this process of really digging down, developing a culture of trust, but sharing amongst brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ about what we're going through. Um, that I believe recovery does a fantastic job of weaving into the natural fabric of their culture um, yes. that uh, all of the church would greatly benefit by as, as we continue to do that ministry. Yeah, one thing that really strongly plays, plays into us is that um, we've gotten to the point in our learning about grace and in what we've learned in church and recovery that there's times that when I say something, it's not me. Yeah. It's totally God talking through me. And there's been times when I've done counseling where I've stopped and gone, let me write that down. I'll, I'll never, I won't remember. Because <laughs> yeah. it was, wasn't that was me. Good. That was good. <laughs> it was for me. Yeah, yeah. That was for me. Sorry, that <laughs> yeah. was for me. Yeah. yeah. And Tim's even learning that. I mean, just, just being around me, we both have kind of really kind of picked up each other's way yeah. of doing things, and it really helps us. And sometimes not private things, but sometimes concerning our own recovery, yeah. we bounce it off each other. It's beautiful. So, Karen, I would be remiss if I didn't chat with you. Uh, oh. You and my wife are kindred spirits, I believe. Um, gone through some of the same difficulties. Um, both grew up in California. And then what drew us originally to you was we saw you signing in church. And my wife um, does Wait, ASL sign, as well. Signing autographs? Yes, she's very famous. <laughs> no, signing American Sign Language. And so tell us a little bit about um, that part of your life and, and where that came well, from. Well, I grew up being exposed to American Sign Language. I, my dad had a brother and a sister that were deaf, and they were both married to deaf people. But I was basically lazy and had my younger cousin <laughs> interpret for me. <laughs> I knew the basics, and that was it, you know. But... Um, when we did move to Ventura and discovered how expensive the childcare was there because of the cost of you know everything, I went to work. I went down to the school and applied. Well, they asked if I could work, if I signed, and if I could work deaf kids. So I went to college. I said not enough. I went to college. I got my um, my degree. Well, it actually ended up they closed the program before I graduated, so it doesn't say in interpreting, but mm-hmm. that's basically what my degree is in sign language interpreting. And I was like in my 50s, I think, when I graduated. So it's like, I'm not going to go take a state test. I'll just work at the school, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, in um, elementary school, I worked with a deaf teacher who taught a hearing class. And then I moved up to middle school and I worked as an interpreter. I worked as a, what they called a paraeducator. So I taught some of the kids with the teacher. Um, in middle school, and it's just, it's part of my love. I, I sign accidentally. I, <laughs> you know I'm into a she song. She signed a couple times while just talking right now. Yeah. Just I so did. You, yeah, you have. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's really kind of funny because when I, you know I'm into a song when I'm worshiping because I start signing. And that comes from the fact that with allergies, my voice comes and goes, and so my mind, my hands just take over. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we do on on that, and and both you and your wife sign, and then I have to tell this part, and then your lovely wife comes up to me and says the college is looking for an ASL one teacher, and I said I'm not qualified, I don't have a college degree, and she goes okay, I'll tell them, and about a month later she comes up, she goes the community people that work at the college are looking for someone to teach ASL, and I went I'm not qualified. A week later, Karen, they're still looking. I am not qualifying. I don't qualify. I can't do it. I'm not, I legally can't do it because I have certain yeah. Yeah. ways that I have to follow. The third time she came up, I said, okay, fine. I'll pray about it. And she grinned because she <laughs> knew what was going to happen. So I called my old boss that I worked with and I said, they think they want me to do this. And she goes, oh, yeah, you can do it. I go, no, 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 no. You're supposed to say no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she goes, no, you can do it. This, this, you know, just do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You, you have the passion. So I went ahead and I agreed, you know, and then I went for the interview, which was actually the boss telling me, how do you want me to set the class up? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I was yeah. never interviewed. Yep. So started in January, I will be teaching ASL1 at the college um, for parents of deaf children, mm-hmm. parents of special non- needs, nonverbal or people who are losing their hearing. And I'm like, and as I'm driving home from that meeting, God says, that's what I want you to do. You know, and so because now I see that I can disciple 
mm-hmm. you know, on the campus, which is That's my right. plan. That's right. And um, that I can show, you know, God's world to people who may not get any other chance to be exposed and they'll hopefully be coming to church, you know. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to do that. I want to be that that odd teacher at the college teaching about Christ. That's right. So this that's a common theme between you two. So this so you just brought this up and Tim you brought it up earlier on this idea of like being the Bible and and being the light on the mm-hmm. campus. And yeah. so I, I would just love to just talk a little bit about what it would look like if we maybe changed the way that we saw things and instead of saying like when I'm at church, I will be this way. Or because they're on staff, this is what they're supposed to do. And this idea behind I'm, uh, oh, I'm not gifted in evangelism and sharing the gospel. And yet this command for all followers of Christ to make disciples. And why today we may find ourselves in a spot to where we've got, we've got about a thousand missionaries that gather every single Sunday morning for church. And these missionaries are in college campuses. They're building construction. They're doing construction for homes and communities that, that are disconnected from the life of the church. And, and what it would n- look like and what it would mm-hmm. need for each of us to recognize, to be more outwardly focused from Monday to Saturday uh, and then how that would change church on Sunday. I would love to hear oh, what yeah. you guys think about that. Well, you know, um, thanks to um, some people here, Bennett and Daryl <laughs> Radford, I started reading a book called The Circle Maker, and that's a lot of what he talks about. And right. it, it's just totally expanded my mind on the fact that, you know, I'm not qualified to be able to teach the class, but God doesn't send in the quali- people who are qualified. He sends the people who will do it. That's right. You know, and he's going to guide me through it. I mean, I told a friend of mine, just call me Peter. I denied it three times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You heard I, the rooster crow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that that um, if we go out and we spread the word and we wear T-shirts that talk about God and we, you know, bless people when we walk out of a store, you know, I mean, when I leave a room, when I, when I go to the grocery store and I leave, I tell people to have a blessed day. Yep. You know, when I hang up the phone, even if the person irritated me <laughs> at home, I will say, have a, you know, telemarketer, I'll tell them, you know, have a blessed day. You know, I mean, that's, I have to be Jesus with skin on. <laughs> and that's the way I tell myself. So, yep. I mean, I'm not a memorizer of the Bible, but I can tell you my feelings. Yeah. Tim, what about you? What, 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 well, what would it look what, like? what came to my mind is uh, we were involved in a small group back in California at our home church, and one of the pers- guys that came to our, our small group uh, was diagnosed autistic uh, late in life. and He was misdiagnosed as a younger age, as schizophrenic, and they treated him and lots of different medications and things, but finally landed on this, this, this autistic. He was on the spectrum. He could not his, his he could not talk to people in public. He had a struggle talking to people in small groups. Yeah. Very smart man was very well read. He would read uh, books, uh, Christian books, and it would tell him, you know, you have to go out and witness. This is what you know you're you're supposed to do. And he's like, well, then I can't be a Christian because I can't do that. Hmm. And and we had lots of discussions with him about all of us being parts of the body. And and even though he wasn't able to go out and witness to somebody on the street, what he would do every Sunday morning, he would go to the church early and he would make sure that all the chairs and pews and things were stuffed with the proper envelopes and pins. Everything was fresh and ready to go. Everything was picked up. He would fold the bulletins. You know, it, that, was, that was what he did. Yeah. That was his contribution. And uh, you know, and and he really couldn't couldn't uh, he would he would casually say hello, yeah. uh, hardly ever touched anybody, wasn't a hugger, you know, not really a handshaker even, but yeah. you know, you'd get that little nod when he went when you went by, and but you know, it was uh, that that communication that that he was you know that we we're all you know 
maybe he's not the mouth, you know. Yeah. Maybe he's the ear, huh. you know, or whatever. But he, that, that, that were all parts of the body, and that and that he was actually making a contribution at that level, and that other people were not, hmm. you know. It was that was that's what he did, and and many people in the church did not know that that mm-hmm. how that was getting done. They would just come in and everything would be done. Yeah, you know. So it was it was this little thing going on in the back, and and he was actually part of it, and he didn't have to be uh, you know known for it or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was it, his yeah. contribution was was great, but he didn't have to feel like it was great. You know, he didn't well, think the thing with him too is he worked at the. Um, the main library in our town, and he would put the books back on the shelves. Well, this man was a gentle soul. He was just a gentle soul, and that was what people saw in him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when they'd ask the librarian, you know, that's Bill. He's a really, you know, and they would talk about him a little bit, you know, just, you know, good stuff. You know, he goes up to this church, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he was being an influence just by being there. Yeah. And that even though he had a disability, he was doing great, mm. I you love know. It. I love it. Tuck, what comes to mind for you, man, as as we sit and think about what it would look like for um, for the church, for the people of the church? Maybe it is in, in positions of service or contribution, um, but also in this like missional mindset of being outwardly focused, of communicating the gospel in all of the contexts we find ourselves vocationally or even in neighborhoods or on streets or in homes, um, in, in the network that God has placed us in, but recognizing that network is actually a mission field. What would it look like from your perspective? I think the biggest thing is it, it change, changes the mindset from a consumer to an active participant. And so if we can really delve into the, like you said, Monday through Saturday, it changes who we are versus, you know, coming into church and absorbing and leaving and sometimes chatting with the people that you like. Um, But having it be a thing that you do instead of something that you are. And if we can if we can become Christians, not just on Sunday when we go to church, but being Christians as who we are and what we live and what we do with our friends and our family that we are living seven days a week. I think that changes who we are when we come to church as I am an active participant. I am finding ways to make this church better instead of what can I get out of it because I'm already a Christian. I'm already doing things. Might as well try and find something you know, to do that betters my family here. Mm. Um, And so I think that it changes our entire lives um, as well as betters the church that we're here. Yeah, there's a degree where I can just imagine Sunday being less about what I can get out of it and more about celebrating what he's done the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This idea Mm -hmm. behind um, almost, almost small group just consumed by the testimonies of what God is doing in the midst of our communities and our mission fields and bringing with us, alongside us, these people that we are praying for, that we are seeing come to saving knowledge, that we are getting to see healed and delivered and and, and all the different things that we've experienced in our lives, that the, the... what we've experienced, like what Karen's gone through, but then also what we can give because of what we've experienced by him to others, and we can be that conduit. I can, I can, I can, I, I'm praying for that as a church that it's more of a worship of him and not so much uh, a focus on me. I like that. Well, and if, if I'm allowing God to shine through me Monday through Saturday, for one thing, I'm going to get out of the way more and let him yeah. do do what he would like to do right. instead of, you know, standing in the way or saying no uh, when things show up, you know, and happen, mm-hmm. not to get. You know. no, that's fine. But, but I think also it changes our mindset when we are actively looking for how God is acting in our lives, we will see it more because wow. we're looking for it. And that gives us then that opportunity to share and to show, um, to be, because we, we've actually taken the time to see 
yeah. instead of just being blinded to it and going about our everyday lives. So a verse that our production manager, Tony, just slid me, which I think is beautiful and applicable to all of these thought processes that we have, is in Matthew chapter 5, and it's verse 16. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You just preached that in a couple sentences, this yep. idea behind living in a way uh, uh, that people can see what he is doing in me and through me all for the glory of God. So it's not about my good works. Mm-hmm. It's not about how good I am. It's not about uh, how much I obey the rules or um, or you know that type of environment that, Karen, you just described that you were brought up in. It's more about his opinion and what he's done, how it changes, how I breathe, how I think, and what I do so that he may receive the glory and draw more people unto himself as we let that light that we've been blessed by shine through us. To the people around us, but in order to let it shine, um, we got to get out there. We got to go. I yeah. think if we just sit and soak and consume, mm-hmm. we get that spiritual obesity, uh, as some say, spiritual constipation, where we just we don't let it out. Man, we just got to go and we got to serve and we got to be locally fixed and surrendered in the moment. Well, at my old church, uh, we used to. Uh, I was part of the counting team. And on Sundays we would we would count right after church, and we'd ask for for uh, we had little, the little tear off on the bulletin, you know, put your prayer request down yeah. and all this. And we were a pretty small church. If we had fifty people on a Sunday, we were like, yay, we were rocking. But we would only get maybe seven or eight prayer requests, you know. And I'd be like, what about the other forty some odd people that are in here? Their lives perfect, you know? It's like what what's going on, you mm-hmm. know? And and it's it's that whole you know. Uh, we did it the the uh, what's the guy with the mask? Ah, the book. Oh, Phantom of the Opera. No, 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 no. There's a there's a book that's written. It's talk about uh, uh, the cure. The cure. So we did the cure, and it, the cure is all about you know the the grace and good intentions. You yeah. know, it's a, a lot of people come to church with good intentions. You know, right. For, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm contributing. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. But maybe they don't have grace. They don't understand, you know. And, and a, so it's. Uh, I think there's a, a, a huge disconnect there. Right. And and uh, what I see happening here at Temple is though in our small groups we we have the ability to reconnect because we always spend about probably ten or fifteen minutes at the beginning of our our small group just talking about prayer requests and what's going on in our lives. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's it's a great time of fellowship and sharing, and you know, how how's you know somebody that might have had something that came up the week before gets brought back. Hey, how's this? How's this? And you know, maybe somebody's facing a, a doctor's appointment that may have you know major you know implications in their life. You know, and we want to know what's going on. So uh, I, that I think is key. You know, we're not really, and I know some of that makes it into corporate prayer requests and things right, like that but right. but a lot of that just it's, it's just within our small group and I think that's very key to what's happening for for me especially because I know that my life is not perfect I need prayer yeah. you know and I need to pray for others I think that helps me get out of myself to see mm-hmm. that that when I can help somebody else and uh, I, I think that's a big part of what I do is is um, you know not not looking where I can go out and help somebody so I can look better that's right you know, but when I can go out and, and help somebody, it makes me feel better about my myself. Yeah. So it's serving others, praying continually, meeting together, worshiping God. Yeah. Living by the Bible, sharing joyfully. Like the, these things are the things, yeah. right? That you're mm-hmm. talking about. Each and every single one of them. Mm. Well, to to bring us to close, um, I would love to hear, uh, and we'll start with Karen. Um, I would love to hear just uh, closing remarks, summary, some of the big takeaways, um, words of encouragement or something that the Lord's put on your heart that you really wanted to make sure that you got to say or that he got to say through you in this episode. Um, and so we'll go Karen and then Tim and then I'll go and then we'll close it out with Tuck. Okay. Um, boy, put me on the spot. You know, um, <laughs> you know the thing that... that um, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, 
the things that are going on in the world and how we're all worried about that and we're all panicking on things and is it in times and stuff. And the way that I look at that now is, first off, I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't believe the news <laughs> because it's, it's always a person's opinion. But I also realize that, you know what, if the ends of the earth happen tomorrow, I'm okay because I love the Lord. You know, I, I want to help others. I want to bring people to the Lord. And it doesn't matter that I don't know. I can't memorize the Bible verses. I can't go, oh, that's here in the Bible. You know, instead I can say, well, somewhere in the Bible, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, so I'm a little more like that person who is lacking the, 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 the feels like they're not good enough. Yeah. You know, because they realize, oh, she's not perfect, you know. Yep. And I've gotten to the point now that, you know, I don't I try really hard not to ever have a mask on it anywhere, you know. And when I come into church, I'm me. You know, <laughs> I'm just me, you know. And um I'm 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 learning, I'm talking to people, I'm having fun with people, I'm picking on people. I mean, just I'm having a good time because I'm in the Lord's house, but I'm also respectful. Yeah. You know, and so one thing that I've what I try to do is not and what I encourage people to do is to lean into the Lord, yeah. you know, because he'll hold you up through everything. Trust me. He's held me up for a couple of years now. He'll hold you up through anything. And don't be afraid to tell somebody, I don't know or I don't understand. That's good. Because we will, if we don't know, we'll find someone who does. I mean, you know, Bennett may not even know. We may have to go, you know, over to Don at the coffee shop to find That's out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because everyone knows what God wants us to know. That's right. And we're all family. And that's the thing about it. And that's the thing we realize through the holidays for Tim and I who do not have blood family living here is Temple Church is our family. You know, when things get rough, that's who circles up, you know. And so, you know, I, to me, keep praying and keep asking. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Wow. Um. And I had it. Now it's gone. She took it. <laughs> yeah, she took it. That's my job. <laughs> the one, I guess the biggest thing is I need to be myself. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can't uh, put on a, a facade. I don't want to do that. Um, I, I feel led to do the ministry that I'm involved in and the different things that I do around the church. I, I, I feel blessed to be able to uh, be here when the kids are here yeah. with the school. And, you know, they always, you know, I've been introduced as Mr. Tim. So they always, you know, hey, Mr. Tim. You know, there's a few of them that kind of hang out a little bit after school that some of the other ones that I know a little bit better and maybe a little bit more mischief involved. But, uh, you know, they're kids. And sometimes I forget about that, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, this thing that we're doing is is a very important part of, of uh, what we need to be doing. Yeah. So. For, for not have anything to say, I think that's all I got to say. <laughs> that's good. I love it. I think for t two of the things that I would just want to encourage people towards or really emphasize as we're closing up is, is one, um, never be ashamed of your story. Mm -mm. Never be ashamed of your story because, because the reality is, is that you're not the only one that's come through it. And... Um, it is in our weaknesses that we can boast. It's 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 in what we've gone through and the storms that we've endured that give Him glory. That's right. And so, as we accept and acknowledge what we've been through, and we're not ashamed of it, because honestly, He's the one who gets all the glory for it. We get the opportunity to share it with the people around us. And I'm not saying go in and just start spewing everything from a mic. Use discernment in your process, but never allow the enemy to silence your story. Because it's in your story, hopefully, that, that Jesus Christ is the hero. And so as we share with others the hope that you can receive, if you find yourself in the moment where we've been, or if you go through the moment or know someone that's been going through what I've been through, then, then you will know that God is there and that Christ will not forsake you and that peace and joy and grace is available through him. Mm -hmm. So one, I would say don't be ashamed of your story. And then the other thing I would encourage all of us towards is, is really that, that proactive, intentional, outwardly focused, servant-hearted, submissive 
momentary focus on what Jesus is doing where you are and yielding to him. So that means better understanding what the Holy Spirit being sensitive to his guiding, his empowerment of you as an individual, but also uh, allowing him to move through you in a way that blesses people around you wherever you find yourself um, in, that, uh, in that mission field mindset. Those are two big things that I was just blessed by hearing. Um, and also I just want to echo as we come to a close. Yeah, the thing that's been on my heart is is that idea of family that we spoke about, um, especially here at Temple. If you're a member here at Temple, make sure that you are you are getting into where your family is, whether that's a small group or the people that you talk to. And if you're not here, wherever you are, make sure that you can find those people that you know and that know you, because we are not meant to be islands, and we just can't do it alone. God has built this idea of family into his church, and if we are missing that, we're missing a lot. And that's where big churches feel small Mm -hmm. and where people need to be felt seen is in the context of small group ministry. That's good. And like Karen said, you know, when we we experienced it as well. As soon as we walked in, we felt like we were family, and Mm -hmm. then we needed to find that, the specific group, but we felt like that. Yeah. Well, we appreciate both of you so much for joining us today, for Thank sharing you. your stories, you. being open and honest with yeah. us. Uh, and I believe that you are blessing the people that have heard this. Oh, thank you. That's our hope. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to share it with your friends. Uh, Also, you can feel free to leave us a review. Uh, That helps get the show to more folks who may need to hear the message. You can reach us at temple.church or email us at templetalk at temple.church. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. We hope that digging into God's Word together has enriched your perspective and brought encouragement. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, feel free to email them at templetalk at temple.church. You can also visit our website at temple.church for more resources. We pray God will continue to bless you and your loved ones as you seek Him in Scripture. We'll see you next time on Temple Talk.